just things for me. Hello podcasters, I'm Ben Greenwood, the Off-Road Performance Coach. This podcast is where I share how we do things at Race Ready Off-Road Coaching, so you have come to the right place if you want to be a beast on and off the dirt bike. Today, we're going to talk Zone 2 training tips. Not necessarily the benefits or why Zone 2 training is so good or helpful. Hopefully, you're already sold on that. (laughs) more along the lines of how you can maximize your zone two training and how you can incorporate it into your schedule if you have a busy schedule, which is most likely most of you listening to this podcast, you're probably similar to me in the fact that you most likely have a family, run a business and have limited time and resources available to train. So, there's kind of like two camps to with zone two training. Like there's the camp that doesn't believe in it because it feels like it's not doing anything. Uh, and then there's the camp that thinks it's God's gift to athletic performance and wants and trains like uh, Lance Armstrong <laughs> Tour de France spec and does like hours and hours and hours and hours. So I'm probably somewhere in the middle of that camp and there is certainly benefits to zone two training. Uh, if you go back and listen to that podcast a couple of episodes ago when I was talking about trying to evaluate what your limiting factor is, if your limiting factor is the ability to deliver oxygen to your working muscles, then incorporating a little bit more zone two training, most likely going to be pretty helpful for you. You should see an increase in your performance. So the really good thing about zone two training is you can accumulate lots of volume and recover from it really easy. It's very low stress on the body. Uh, And I guess the other benefit is if you haven't done much of it, you don't have to do a lot of it to get that benefit. So you don't have to do four-hour cycles. You don't have to do 10 hours of zone two a week. You can do small, frequent bouts and experience these benefits. So just a couple of things to frame this up. And this would be like especially beneficial for the people who don't really believe in zone two training potentially is have having a baseline performance test. So I really like a 2K row. It's going to take around about seven to eight minutes depending on where you're at, give or take, a little bit on the lower side maybe if you're already super, have a really high level of aerobic conditioning or a little bit longer a little bit on the higher side of eight minutes if you have a low level of aerobic conditioning. It's a really good test, like around that seven to eight minute domain, it's really going to stress your aerobic system and give us a bit of a benchmark as to like any performance uh, increases benefits that we're going to notice there. So having some sort of benchmark there, If you know what your 2K, like you could use a 5K time trial if you wanted, like a 5K row time trial is going to take like anywhere between 16 to 20 minutes, depending on where you're at. Uh, If you don't have a rower, you could just use a spin bike or something that's got an output. If you can measure your distance, like your meters, and just do like an eight minute max effort test and 
measure how many meters you get in eight minutes. And then when you retest, if you get more meters in eight minutes, then you've progressed, you've gotten better. So just having some sort of metric that you can test. And then when you add something into your program, whether that be more zone two training or more high intensity interval training, either end of the spectrum, if we add something in where like the reason we're adding it in is to improve in performance. So if you add in some zone two training and it's improving your limiting factor, we should see that that 2K row time trial improves. Like at, to use an extreme example, but there's, I know a lot of guys out there that do this, especially in the off season is they might go from doing three hours of zone two training a week to six hours of zone two training or even more. If that is improving our limiting factor, we should see that that 2K time trial improves. If it doesn't, just go back to doing half as much work because <laughs> you can do get the same result with half as much work and use that extra three hours to actually focus on fit, fit, like improving whatever is your actual biggest limitation. Maybe that's just riding a dirt bike more, getting better at riding a dirt bike. But you get my drift. Like we want to have some sort of test that we can measure ourselves against. So we're not just adding more training in for the sake of adding more training in. We're adding it in to improve our performance. So that's a good way that you can do it is test yourself. Then maybe you do four to six weeks of adding in some zone two whatever you can fit into your schedule. Maybe it's three 30-minute efforts a week on the low end and see when you retest that 2K row in six weeks, see if there's a difference. Did you actually get faster? If you did, then you've obviously improved your limiting factor, which is a positive thing. So if you're skeptical on zone two training, that's something you could try. You could try that and see. Put it to the test. I would say that if you've never actually done zone two training for an extended period of time consistently and actually given it a go, then you will most likely, in my experience, you will most likely see benefits from doing a little bit more of it. Number two is it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly zone two heart heart rate. And this is probably what spurred this podcast for me is because I had a question from a client in our race ready live group yesterday uh, about the heart rate zone specifically on these base training sessions. If you go a little bit into zone three on your base training, it's not the end of the world. Like you haven't destroyed the aerobic benefit of that workout. What I really like to use is a torque test. So it's going to give you the most accurate indication of whether you are in a true aerobic intensity. So you should be able to speak six to eight words at least without having to draw breath. So just that sentence right there, you should be able to speak six to eight words. That's nine nine words. So you should be able to speak that sentence without having to draw breath. If you can only get three words out of that sentence and you have to take in a big huff, huff of air to finish the sentence, you're the intensity is most likely too high. 
you're working a little bit too hard. So that's a really good way is using the talk test. Uh, if you're going to do a shorter duration effort, if you can only get a 20 or a 30 minute base training session in, probably doesn't matter that much if your heart rate's on a little bit on the higher end. Obviously, if you're accumulating more volume doing hours and hours, then yeah, it's probably going to increase the fatigue from the session if your heart rate is a little bit higher. So I guess my point there is like it doesn't, just because you go like three or five beats or even 10 beats higher, it it doesn't, it's not like you haven't destroyed the benefit of that training. So don't be like hyper fixated on the heart rate zone, like to the point that it becomes stressful. Like most people are just going to experience a benefit from just doing more low intensity training um, and, and improving our ability to deliver oxygen. So that's why I really like the torque test. And you obviously correlate that to, to your heart rate zones. Um, not saying that we don't use heart rate zones at all. We definitely want to use the heart rate zones, but using the torque test is a really good way to just check yourself. Um, if you if you feel like, oh, this is still easy, like I am in zone three, like my, my heart rate's actually sitting on 150 as an example, and I feel like I could do this all day, well, check yourself with that. Can you speak eight words before you draw in breath? Because if you can't, then it's probably not that easy probably a little bit too hard. So you probably want to pull it back a little bit. So that being said, having a baseline test uh, to measure our performance, using the torque test to establish your true aerobic zone. They're just two sort of, I guess, boundaries we can sort of put on this. Then just going to get into a couple of tips. So these are some strategies that I personally use and for me personally, I live in, in Yakandanda in northeast Victoria. It's really steep where I live. It's very difficult to find a flat path or trail or road for any more than half a kilometer before you're going up or down a hill. So I personally do all of my... When I want to do a strict zone two session, I mostly do it on a fixed modality. So for me, that is an assault bike or the rower. So it's very easy to float your heart rate on at a consistent level on a fixed modality if you're riding and you have a lot of elevation it's going to be difficult to keep your heart when you go down a hill on a road cycle or a mountain bike even when you pedal flat out like your heart rate if if this if the hill is steep enough which quite often they are your heart rate's going to drop so ideally the we want to keep the heart rate as consistent as possible over the duration of the effort especially when we're doing shorter efforts like if you're just squeezing in a 20 30 minute session then ideally we keep that heart rate as tight as we possibly can so fixed modality is an easy way to do that other benefit to a fixed modality like one of the big complaints to uh, i guess about uh, zone two training, especially when people are new to it, is it's boring. It doesn't feel like it's doing anything. It's freaking boring. Like doing it on a fixed modality, if you've got your setup at home, 
you can listen to a podcast, you can watch YouTube, like there's heaps of ways that you can pass the time. You could watch an educational YouTube video on training or writing technique. Uh, so many ways you could pass that time and very simply float your heart rate in your aerobic zone and potentially learn something at the same time by watching something um, that's going to help improve you in other ways as well. So that's some of the benefits to using a fixed modality. The other one, which I love, is running. If you, anyone who's listening to this that is a runner will know when you run downhill, your heart rate doesn't really go down that much compared to what it is when you're running up because your muscular contractions don't change that much. You're still running, having to absorb a little bit more force on the way down. So it's much easier, especially when you do have elevation, to float your heart rate at a desired level. Whether you're going up or down, you just got to run a little bit faster and a little bit slower, but your heart rate will stay a lot more consistent when you're running. So I again, if you don't have a flat trail, I personally really love running for a modality that's very easy to keep your heart rate, to float your heart rate consistently for a period of time. So there are two options. If you live somewhere where the you have a flat trail or reasonably flat trail and not much elevation, it's going to be much easier for you to get outside and just go for a pedal or a run or whatever it might be and float your heart rate at a fairly consistent level. So they're just a couple of strategies that I personally use for myself when there's when I don't have that access to a flat a path that I'm going to go riding on. So a couple of other tips is, and this is again for the, for the guys that have got a family is including your kids. I'm lucky enough now. My eldest son is 10. So he is getting somewhat decent on his little cross country mountain bike now. So we can actually go and do a loop on one of the, the green trails, which is around about 10 K so it takes us about an hour at his pace. So his his heart rate's like pinging. He, he's on the rev limiter when we're climbing, but I can just tick along behind him um, and be in basically in heart rate zone too. So that's another option and just ways you can accumulate a little bit more of lower intensity aerobic work. The other one, one I really like is the kids can ride and I jog. So they can cruise along on bike path at their pace and I can just jog along with them at a low intensity. So there's just a couple of ways you can incorporate it. It doesn't always have to be like a strict structured workout when we're talking about this low intensity aerobic stuff. There's lots and lots of ways you can get it in. Uh, like it's, it's obviously difficult when you do have a family work, all these other commitments, you only have a finite uh, amount of time to devote to training. So you're not always going to be able to just say, oh, I'm just going to add in three hours of zone two training this week because you like literally don't have that time available. If you're younger, perhaps single, don't have kids, then that's probably not really an excuse for you. Don't mean to be rude, but you'll... When, when you do actually have kids, you'll be amazed at how much time you actually wasted and you realize that 
you, you actually did have lots of spare time before you had kids. At least that's how it was for me and that's how it is for every person I speak to that's had kids. So if you haven't got kids or a family, then you most likely can find, be more productive with your time and there's a few things that you can cull that will allow you to incorporate a little bit more aerobic training into your week. So then when I actually do go for a mountain bike ride, I'm not, I don't really have a fixed heart rate zone that I'm going to abide by because I'm doing my, when I, like I said, when I want to do a specific aerobic base session and stick to those lower intensities, I either do it on a fixed modality at home or I go for a run. So then when I actually get on my mountain bike, I just go by feel. So basically, like the first hill you come to, the first half an hour of a ride, like you've warmed up, come to the first decent climb, basically know how, how the rest of the rides are going to go. Do, do my legs feel cooked? If my legs feel cooked, I just like go up through the gears in the granny wheel and I just tick along and I don't really push myself. So I still might get out of zone two on some of the climbs and get up into that zone three. But I don't really push myself. I just like, I'm like, okay, well, today's not really a day. I feel like I can push. I'm feeling a little bit cooked. Haven't got it. Legs aren't feeling fresh. So I'm just going to take it uh, on the easier side today. If I get to that first climb and I lay down the some some power into the pedals, I'm like, fuck yeah, I feel good today. Like I can send it. My legs feel fresh. Then that's a day that I know that I can push hard. And then that might be more of a tempo ride where, I'm up in that sort of upper end of zone three, bottom end of zone four, like around my threshold on the climbs. I'll actually put in some efforts on the climbs and push myself hard because I know I feel good and I feel like I'm ready for it. So I don't really have a specific goal or target when I go out for a mountain bike ride. I just, I ride my mountain bike because I love it and I more go by feel. So once I warm up and I get into the ride, I'm like, okay, I check in with myself how do I actually feel today? If I feel good, I send it. If I feel a bit fatigued and the legs feel heavy, then I just cruise along and enjoy the scenery, basically. So they're just a few tips. I guess the biggest ones would be using the torque test and not getting like hyper fixated on that heart rate. Like you haven't wasted your training time if your heart rate goes a little bit high in a workout. You're still getting a ton of aerobic benefits there. And then just checking in with some sort of performance test. Like, honestly, I do the testing, like with my one-on clients, one-on-one clients, I should say, I'm mindful of when we do testing. We do more testing in the off-season or the pre-season, whatever you want to call it. Once we get into the race season, we're not really doing any testing because the testing is the race. Like when you go to a race, we, we, we know is what we're doing working if we're getting the result. If we're not getting the result and we feel like we're limited in some way when we're on the bike, then we just need to improve that limiting factor. We don't need to do a rowing time trial to tell us that. Like we're racing every other weekend, so we're either getting the results that we want or we're not. So I don't add that level of stress into a one-on-one client's program in the race season. Like I say, we... Any testing we do is mostly in the off-season or the pre-season. However, if you're listening to this and like you don't really race that much or you only race a few times a year, then 
and you really want to know like whether your training's actually improving, then doing a test like every six or eight weeks, probably not a bad idea. Probably a good idea to just check check yourself and it will give you that instant feedback as to whether your performance or like the training volume that you're actually doing each week, if it's actually improving your performance. Then obviously doesn't even really matter if your main goal is to pr- improve your performance on the dirt bike. Is there a notable, noticeable or tangible benefit on the dirt bike? Because if your 2K road time trial is getting faster and faster, but you're not getting better on the bike, then there's obviously something else that's limiting on you, limiting you on the bike. So again, that's just an example. Like the main, the main thing we're trying to improve with our training is our performance on the dirt bike. Doesn't matter how, how good you are at rowing, how many KOMs you've got on Strava. If you can't get the result on your dirt bike, then like no one really cares, right? That's what most people are going to remember is how, what were your results like on race day, not how many KOMs you got in training. So like I say, I use the testing sparingly with my one-on-one clients. Depending on your situation, uh, you might want to test more frequently. But at the end of the day, like the reason why we're training and the reason you're probably here listening to this podcast is because you want to improve your performance on the dirt bike. So that is the biggest test and the, the, the thing that's going to give us that feedback of is our training actually making us better is the result we get when we ride on our dirt bike. So that's the thing that you want to be taking a tab on and and checking in with yourself. Am I actually, do I feel better on the dirt bike? Do I feel like I can maintain a higher intensity for longer? If you can tick that box, then your training's obviously working. That's a good thing. So on the Race Ready Live program, the next block, which is, there's a new block starting next week. We are sort of starting to move into more of a sort of a pre-season phase as in Australia, like the racing season is starting to wrap up. So we will be sort of trans, I guess, just moving slightly, not making a massive shift in the program in the next block, but we're just going to start sort of building more into a a off-season or pre-season, whatever you want to call it, phase. So we are going to one of our conditioning sessions in the next block of training. We're going to be working on some interval work that's going to build up our 2K time trial. And then at the end of the block, we'll do a 2K time trial test. Uh, as we move through the rest of the preseason, where we'll be doing a 5K time trial and then eventually a 10K time trial. So we'll be building up to going full send for like a max effort for time 10K row. So there's going to be some structured workouts, one a week on the rower, one interval session, I should say, that's specifically targeted at improving the 2K. There's obviously another session that includes some interval work and a lot of some other base training in there as well, but one specific uh, concept to rower session with the interval work specifically structured to improve our 2K row time trial. So we'll be getting stuck into that uh, as of next week. So all of you guys on the Race Ready Live program can look forward to that real character builder the old any sort of time trial test on a rower is a real character builder um 
you've really got to be able to control your obviously your breathing your physical output but even like it's a little bit of a mental test and uh, emotions like if you let it get the better of you and you just miss time a couple of rows that can like screw your whole uh effort up and and you can lose control of your breathing and you have to take a short rest or something like that so it's a it is a real mental test to be able to stay focused at a really really high intensity for an extended period of time obviously that's why it has such great benefits to our riding on the dirt bike as well so that'll be coming into the race ready live program as of the new block which starts next week otherwise we will see you on the next episode got another one coming out next uh sorry this later this week so we'll see you on that episode thank you for listening if you listen this far i appreciate you we will see you on the next episode